0: Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I am Keith Foster, I write the comics Kadoja and Three Protectors, and I'm a man- managing partner at Invader Comics. That's easy for you to say.
1: It is, uh. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, and Wonders of Millisanda for The Accidental Aliens.
0: Yeah, brother, and we just had a, a little prelim conversation there, so whatever beer you're drinking, it ain't your first. But what are you not. drinking?
1: So today, um, since I've already pre-gamed for the pod, um, had a couple of beers with a buddy, I'm having a Ashland Hard Seltzer, Orange Pineapple. It is five percent ABV, so it is not too crazy. But I have also had multiple beers before this, so it might be a little crazy by the end multiple. of this
0: pod. You might be, you might be like your boy Keith, the last fifteen minutes of last week's pod, because I was, I was quite good. I was quite good. Hey, did you, Count did you, Slushula. yeah, did, did you read the uh, post I sent, uh, the, the, the picture I sent? So we did have someone give us a five-star review oh, okay. Uh, about a week and a half ago or something like that. And, and mm-hmm. I encourage you to read it, but there's a thing where the guy says, it's like, I don't know. They're, you know, I mean, thank you for the review, by the way. Um, it's like, they are, they are entertaining, funny, and often more than a little, an often a little drunk. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's 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 I feel like that's just a perfect summary of this podcast, right? Yeah, we're here for
1: a good time, not for a long time. And we're here for some beers and some cheers. So yeah,
0: yeah. And hey, I I know a bunch of you out there like to work while we're talking. So uh, so hopefully you've got your work fired up. And hopefully you have some suds the uh or 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 seltzers or scotch whatever you like man or hey just coffee milk whatever mm-hmm. you know we're we're, yeah. we're not judging um so remember a couple of weeks ago how i had that awesome gin barrel ipa and i was like it's a shame i only bought one of these i didn't i bought two so there was one in in the recess of my beer closet so that's what this bad boy is it is um, it's called Gin Barrel Aged Batch One from Lumberbeard mm-hmm. Brewing. It is an IPA aged in award-winning gin barrels from Dry Fly Distilling. I love this. So this is really groovy. I just missed the cutoff. I we should we're gonna talk about this offline. I don't want to talk about it online yet. But I basically chopped it up with a dude at Total Wine about uh, two three hours ago and tried some new beers. I didn't get them in the fridge in time. To have them for this podcast so we'll have to wait till next time probably but that said here we are we be drinking we be talking comics and with that my man what was the first thing you did this week okay so my first thing for the day i
1: got 13 oh no excuse me i started thumbnailing issue 13 mm. and i am 16 pages in so the total page count as of right now is i believe 21 it potentially is 22. so as i've been going along reading ed's script i'm like i can give that some breathing room um something i've noticed a lot lately and and thankfully this is something ed has done in my favor we've had so many issues go over the standard 22 pages that he's been working his scripts to the point it's more of a marvel and dc page count these days so the second shift has been ending and, and Wanderers have been ending around 19 pages mm. so that actually lines up with what's standard in uh comics right now corporate comics so it's been kind of nice in the sense that hey i gotta wrap this issue up a little faster than i thought i would but I want to make sure everyone reading these books are getting to spend enough time with these characters. It's not like Marvel or DC where you have Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, you know who they are. So spending 19 pages with them, isn't too much of um, a hindrance to the story. A lot of the backstory that you get with those characters, it's been done years ago. And just with all the movies, the TV shows, etc. you know more than enough about these characters. So you just yeah. get right into the nitty gritty of it. So, um, I was able to fill out these is- this particular issue with at least uh, two to three more pages than Ed's script allowed. And uh, hey, we're on, we're in indie comics. I'm allowed to do that. So, you know, if obviously if you're working for corporate comics, that's not something you can do willy-nilly. You can't just add a bunch of pages to the script. The script is the script. It's 19 pages. That's what it has to be. Indie comics world, we're allowed to fuck with it. So I'm mm-hmm. fussing with it, and uh, I got some three three more pages in. It's um, exploring this new character that's being introduced into this story arc, and uh, I'm excited. It's really fun, and like I talked about previously, I'm implementing things that I talk about on the podcast that I hadn't necessarily done myself in my issues there are a lot of things that i've implemented but it wasn't the total package so there was a couple of things that i felt like you know what mentally i'm not there yet let me work on these smaller things and once i get those down then i can introduce these other other elements that i've known about for years that i just haven't really implemented and uh, they're definitely in this issue and i think it's really shining and i'm really happy with what's coming out
0: nice man that's cool i mean. It doesn't happen a lot, but what you're just talking about is pretty cool when it happens, when you realize, well, as long as you're ready for it, because getting to a point in a book where you realize you have space to actually explore something that is not tightly scripted, is not done by the panel, it it can be either liberating or it can be terrifying. You can either look at that and say, oh, my God, I have space to explore something I've wanted to explore for a while, and I'm going to go ahead and do that and add on a few pages, and this will make the story richer and better. Or you can just be goddamn terrified of the whole thing and say, like, where where am I going to get three pages worth of ideas or whatever it's going to be? So I'm happy to hear that yours is the first one that is, like, yeah, I got to explore. I got to add on some stuff and take a bit more of a circuitous path, you know? Um there's this line that Neil Gaiman said in the podcast with Mark Maron a week or two ago that has been sticking in my head and he's been taught what what he did was he talks about a story as, as kind of hitchhiking and that with a story and it, in a way it's very akin to my open video game environment concept of storytelling, right? His, his version of the analogy is when you hitchhike let's say you're hitchhiking across country. You know where you started and you know where you're going. But what you don't don't know is how you're going to get there. And so if you, you know, you might get in one car and that takes you to a certain place, but you thought you were, you know, I'm getting very detailed here where he didn't have to, but I'm going to, you know, in the United States, you start in New York and you want to go to LA. All right, well, you thought you were going through Pennsylvania, but it turns out the person's going to Tennessee. So now you go down to Tennessee and then you get another hitch. And you think that you're going to go to St. Louis, Missouri, but you don't. You go back to Atlanta, but then down to New Orleans. You know, so by the end of the of the journey, your destination hasn't changed, but the way you got there has. And I like that idea as an, a, a kind of parable for how you tell stories. You know, you you know where you're starting, and you generally know where you're going to end. You just kind of don't know the path until the path happens. And uh, your thing is a great example of that. You you developed a little bit of a new path that you didn't expect three weeks ago, maybe even two weeks ago, maybe even one.
1: Right, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you have to get past these personal blocks that you have, so me personally, um, there's a lot of elements, a lot of factors involved with keeping the scripts at those 19 pages. You know, I have the opportunity to go, well, I think I can expand this a little bit, but a lot of times I don't. I'm like, you know what? I like the page count at that amount, it's like okay i'm printing these books i'm paying for them everything like that the 19 page the 19 page marker is a good marker to have because you're more than likely ending your total issue at 24 pages total so if you're doing single issue comics you're doing it in intervals of 4 so if i don't hit that 24 so let's say let's say the story is 23 pages long that gives you one extra page that's nothing so mm-hmm. uh, when you're doing your page count so 24 pages total that also includes the cover that's four pages for the uh, the cover the back cover the interior and back interior so with a 24-page count, there's not enough pages there, I'm going to have to add four more pages to bring that book to a total of 28 pages. Mm-hmm. So 19 is a very nice save number, a safe number because you'll be able to hit your interior account. You'll probably have enough room for a um, letters page and like maybe a back page ad or something like that, and you're in the home stretch. So... I'll more often than not, I'll keep it at that page count. I think mentally and just where I am with my process of making comics, like my making comics journey itself, I'm in the headspace where it's like, no man, add those pages. four more pages is not that big big of a deal. you're gonna get them there. it's it's not that big of a deal to me yeah. personally. so um and like for me also, As the artist drawing these interior pages it goes okay well the more interior pages the longer it's going to take to get this issue out and that's the last thing i want you know like doing any comics takes long enough as it is i don't want to have to add more time to that by adding more interior pages to the script on my own so but i think i'm in a place now where i'm just understanding everything a lot more and a lot better And I'm like, no, you know what? Let's give this some breathing room. Let's give it some extra pages. And if it takes me a couple more weeks, then it does. But as long as the story is better for it and people get more of an understanding to who these characters are.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. To me, that's the luxury of indie comics. We are not confined by parameters. While it's preposterous, if you wanted, you could have one issue be 42 pages and one issue be 10, 12, whatever. You know what I mean? Like... You, you have the power to do that depending on the story. You know, um, Longtime listeners of the podcast n- know that I equate creating comics, creating fiction, creating novels to creating music a lot because that's what I have a history in. And I do think that on some level this is musical. You know, I, I believe I've given that analogy too. You know, there are some songs that the second you write the song, you're thinking like this, this shouldn't last any longer than two and a half minutes. And then there are other songs where no matter what you add, no matter what instruments you add, it can always take more. And no matter how many solos or different little riffs or things you want to put in there, different vocal lines, it, it can just keep on expanding. And, um, you know, so I think part of that is listening to the quote unquote music of your story, of your narrative, and understanding when you're allowing yourself a little, little sax solo. You know, a little little, <laughs> yeah. little, little organ, organ riff, whatever you want to do. A drum break, you know, what, whatever things you want to put in your comic. You you want to take four, minute, uh, four pages for character building and it makes sense? Do it. You know, that, again, that's the beauty of indie comics. I think I've mentioned before as well, Kadoja Volume 2, you know, issue one is like 24 pages. Issue two is 36. You know, like it's all over the place because that was the story that needed to be told. And that's where the clean breaks in the storyline made sense. So anyway. Um, yeah, man, that's great to hear. That's really cool. Uh, so for me, my I, I know you have a bunch of things this week. In fact, you sort of struck terror in my heart because when you first started <laughs> talking, you said, well, I have 13, and I was like, Scott has 13 fucking things to talk about this week. <laughs> is that right? You know, but uh, but no, it, that wasn't the case. But I know you have a few more things than me, and I did think of a smaller thing to get me started, which is you mentioned thumbnails. And it turns out that what's it been two weeks since I even found the Kadoja artist for the new artist for Volume Four, Number Two for Symphony of Madness. It was however
1: two. long it's been uh, since you've gotten back. Yeah. I think you were in town about two to three days back from Scotland, and you had already found the artist in that time
0: period. Yeah, basically two weeks. Two weeks ago, and. They already the guy already gave me thumbnails to the first seven pages. In fact, I'm saying this podcast and I realize I need to bless them. Now they're thumbnails, they're super quick and they they give you a good idea of layout and perspective and stuff like that. And in some cases they're hard to even figure out what's going on. But it was great to see. It was great to have that in my inbox and know that you know, this was really like a relay race in the Olympics. You know, I, I really did move from one artist to the other at a very Fast, you know, not even breaking stride kind of pace, which I thought was interesting. Another. So anyway, so I'm pleased with that. The thumbnails look really cool. Um, this was a bit of a, a combination of, you know, Mike Perkins going like, Oh, this guy's such a good fit for your story. And so I can't wait to see things flesh out. Cause as a writer, it can sometimes be hard to see the vision in the thumbnails. You know, I think somebody like you, you'd be able to see the thumbnails and go like, yes, okay, yes. Where with me, I can get a vague sense, but I really need the pencils to get tighter or even exist before I can get a good picture. But again, there are some some thumbnails where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see this. And there are others where it all makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, the beauty of having those in your inbox is, you know, the process has started. So yeah. unlike the other guy... Who took however long to get back to you, and just like, oh hey, well I got this going on or whatever. This guy, you're going, okay, he's putting the effort forward right away. He knows this is a paying gig. He's being a professional and having that open communication and getting started right away. So that's yeah, like one of the best feelings in the world. So
0: yeah, and to paraphrase Jay and Silent Bob, I'm the chucklehead because I'm the one. That's taking too long to get back to him because he sent me those things like two days ago, and I, you know, oh. you know how sometimes you you mentally answer an email and you forget to actually physically do it. Yeah, That's what this time. is. I I, okay. I said I said those thumbnails are okay in my head when the email first showed up ten minutes later, and I still haven't fucking responded. So when we stop recording, I should probably do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Um. So no, that I thought that was. I mean, I was happy to see that, and uh, yeah, man, we just we're gonna keep on moving. Fun maybe fun, maybe fun post script script, uh, around that time was when I sent the email to the other artist saying, Hey, sorry, I'm going to go with somebody else. Oh,
1: right on. Yeah. That's, that's always a fun email to send. Like when yeah. you're like, this isn't working out. It's not you. It's me. No, yeah. it, it, it's you. Um, but also, yeah, yeah. It's, it's but also, not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not you. you, but it's me, but it's you, you know, but, uh, <laughs>
0: but fat fascinating thing. No response
1: yeah i mean at that point it's just like yeah the work's not coming in he's he's moving on yeah um that happened with me with an inker who's a very good inker and he and i talked about this i don't know maybe a year ago at this point um he was going to do the cover for second shift 10 and he kept putting it off and putting it off and pushing it back and pushing it back and I was still in the process of drawing it, and, and I, it takes me a while to finish all the interior pages, so he just kept on pushing the deadline back, and I kept saying, it's fine, it's fine, and then it got to the point where it was no longer fine, and then he sends one more e- email back saying, you know what, man, I don't think I'm going to have time to do it, and you know, he said a couple of other things, and I just never responded, because honestly, it was what else was there to say? Yeah. It, it's it's okay, no, don't worry about it, no, it's it's not okay. Totally. But I don't I don't feel the need to have to communicate to you that what you did to me was not okay. Yeah, you, totally. as a working professional, you should know what you did to me was not okay. Yeah. So if you can live with it, then live with it. And, I mean, obviously you can. It's no sweat off of his back. He's getting very regular main, mainstream work. But mm-hmm. it's just the the act of pushing someone off for months at a time and then when they really need it you just go nah not going to be able to do it and yeah. uh it sucks and it's just like man I, I was going to have a really killer piece i ended up inking it myself and honestly it came out pretty solid yeah i have no no corals with how the cover came out and um it has a nice quality to it and you know it is what it is but at the same time it's just like you know what i i don't need to respond to you because there's yeah. nothing to be done about it. There's no matter what words I say to you, you're not going to do the cover. And if anything, it will sour our relationship. Exactly. And like, if I see you at a show, then what it's, it's like this awkward thing where like, Oh, that guy kind of cussed me out a little bad, a little yeah. bit on the email, or I can see him at a show and go, Hey, you know, this is who I am. You know, totally. we, we were supposed to work on that cover and like, hey, no hard feelings. Say it in person. Totally. You know, just let him know. It's just like it's not a big deal because like at the end of the day, I ended up doing it myself and it came out fine. Yeah. The way he handled it wasn't great, but it's not enough to for me to go. I have a problem with you for the rest of my life. Absolutely. And uh, and I don't. I've moved on and I still follow him on social media. His work is still great, but it's just like, hey, it is what it is. Totally. Um, as, as far as the thumbnails going back real quick, it's just like the, it's interesting. So from what it sounds like, there's some thumbnails that are very clear as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then some that are a little bit more crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, is he working digitally or is he working traditionally where it's a bunch of pencil lines so you can't see what's happening?
0: Uh, it's hard for me to tell. I mean, you, you kind of hinted that before, as you've talked about in many episodes, as you've talked about the difference between, you know, digital and physical pencils. I mean, you can you can do a digital pencil that looks like a physical pencil because all you got to do is change the cute little setting to make it look like a goddamn number two instead of just being like a thick black line. You know, I think there are plenty of people who just ink digitally or or, sorry pencil digitally and like you know they just make it blue or they make it black so it looks like inks but it's really pencils so it's hard for me to say um it feels like it's freehand but uh but i'm not i'm not smart enough to know i mean it you know we're talking about very my hunch is that it's physical because we are talking about a a one page of like like one page has seven panels on it hacked out and like drawn you know what i mean so okay that tells me that this was a manual thing as opposed to p- digital pencils where you could probably just do like seven files you know or have something that indicates that it's it's going to get built on as opposed to i'm just throwing this out there to give you an idea so it feels they, uh, physical
1: okay were were like the rectangles the page shapes themselves they were like all different sizes
0: i'd have to look but yeah i, I they i they do i mean i can't i can't turn off our FaceTime to take a look but my hunch tells right. me yes my hunch oh, OK, cool. Yes. Yeah. More than like and my the, more uh, importantly, my heart tells me, yes.
1: <laughs> but my body.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> R. Kelly again. Callback. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Like if you're working digitally, you can. I mean, this it's what I have. I don't know if everyone does it. It's just a time saver. You can create a spreadsheet that has those thumbnails um, marked out already. You know, you just, you know, uh, save the save a blank file in your storage or just on your ipad or whatever you're working on right and then you can re-download that onto your your procreate app or whatever app you're using and then you just rock and roll you just you don't need to create any lines you don't need to create any borders like i even ha- it's to the point where i have the blue line margins underneath to know where like the safe spaces where the gutters where the you know uh, full bleed etc mm-hmm. so I have those all marked down in my thumbnail spreadsheet page and so it's much easier to do so if if the rectangles are a bunch of different sizes more than likely it is freehand
0: yeah 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 rock on rock on anyway so uh, so what was your second thing let's let's keep it moving
1: uh, my second thing it is uh, I'm just gonna go in order here so a few weeks back I think maybe three to four weeks ago I was talking about having this cover artist. And um, he was going to do multiple pieces for me. And I sent him over reference material for Wanderers. And he finally got back to me and let me know that he's actually going to be starting the piece over the weekend. And if I could uh, send him half payment. So uh, it's great to know, like, you're working with someone that is just like, okay, I'm not going to accept the cash until I actually start working on the project. So I think over a, let's see, he said to contact him in July so we're as of the recording of this we're in august and so um, about a month later he got back to me and was just like and because i did a follow-up uh, a few weeks into july and i said hey just curious if you had some thumbnails for me or if you already started if you have some work in progress and uh, he goes i don't but as soon as i do i'll i'll let you know and i said okay and uh, this guy's works just so tremendous and. I'm months away of doing anything else with Wanderers. Like I'm like not going to even rush him. So, uh, but it was nice to hear from him again and to know that he is actually starting one of the pieces. Um, And that was um, over, not this weekend, but I think it was, Oh, you know what? It was in the middle of last week. So Mm. um, I haven't heard back from him, uh, but I will probably follow up with him uh, this weekend just to see if he has anything for me. And, uh, but it's great to know that, like you getting thumbnails, it's nice to know that the process is starting and um, I can't wait to see
0: what he comes up with. Nice, dude. Nice. You know, and as, as you're talking, I realize I do have a few more little things, which always helps considering you have 13 things to talk about this week. <laughs> I really have two more. Okay, two more. good. No, this will work, work out really well then because I, I just realized I have another edition that I can talk about right now, which is over the last uh, week... I have had progress on two future Kadoja variant covers, which is very cool. Oh. Um, thing number one is I think you you are aware, Scott, because I gave you his information, although I, I think you ended up not going with him. There's an artist who I already showed you the piece he did for a future variant of Kadoja, and he is killer. He is very, um, very Daniel Warren johnson right, in terms of his rawness. Oh, that and, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and at the time I had commissioned him to do a second thing. Now I hadn't heard from him, and I am in no hurry. You know what we are talking about here is most likely variants to both Kadoja Symphony of Madness number two and number three. So I am in no hurry for that. Number two is basically done, and he's already working on number three. Oh, right on, cool. Yeah. So he actually sent me a thumbnail to number three uh, over the week, and I was like, oh, this looks cool. You know, very, very cool. It's it's similar to a specific panel in kadoja volume three somewhere in there but uh, it's cool to see and it's his own take on it and i totally dig it It looks amazing so Mm -hmm. i was happy with that and then on a on a semi-related note I, i i imagine you do this i imagine that sometimes you're just scrolling through instagram and you see a person and you're like i would like them to do a variant cover for me totally and that is that is how i like to spend my money You know, like, again, we've talked about this, right? I could could buy more records or more books or more comics or whatever, but I like putting as much money into the projects I do as possible. So I saw the dude immediately, and I was like, this guy is not a fit for Kadoja, yet he is a fit for Kadoja. So I'm going to reach out to him. And uh, we negotiated a price, and he is going to do a variant for Kadoja as well. And the reason I am excited about it is because he is a tiki artist so oh interesting yeah we're gonna we're gonna switch it up like flip mode flip mode is the greatest that's a buster rhymes reference from some song way back in the day anyway i hope you know that but anyway uh listeners what's the song called give me some more yeah anyway so there you go i'll take i'll take obscure rap trivia for 1000 alex and uh, and <laughs> and we'll go with that so I'll anyway take
1: buck futters for a hundred <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your mother Trebek. <laughs> right? Uh, um, that
1: that first artist, it's not that I didn't go with him. I didn't go with him yet. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, his style um, and what he does, like, on his, his page itself is a lot of kaiju. A lot yeah. of giant monster stuff. And currently I don't have anything with that. But yeah. at some point I will. And totally. so when that time comes, I will be uh, hitting that guy up for a cover and like when we're done here i would love for you to send me those pieces again my phone's been doing something weird so i don't know if you sent it to me and i responded and just don't remember i did not send it okay cool yeah send them over to me i'm curious what you came up with
0: yeah man I'll, i'll send you a couple things but yeah no i i and and to your point dude that's how i am with some of the guys that do variant covers for you and i'm like let me see him or let me see her and then you send it to me and then i think like very very nice i love it not not my not my lane so not same a fit, thing yeah. Right? yeah exactly exactly so anyway that was my second thing man let's roll on what's uh, what's 3 so um
1: a couple weeks back i had talked
0: about working live basically with ed
1: over a <clears throat> excuse me a, a google app mm-hmm. and that app is google doc
0: yeah google docs i figured it was google yeah, docs a s-
1: simple google doc um for you people out there that are collaborating artists or writers um whoever's listening out of the two or both of you yeah, it's a great thing to work with um, your partner. So what what I was doing was um, Ed had sent me the script, the basic script of what we were going with. Not a lot of dialogue there, some dialogue, not a lot. And so he was laying out the pages. And I would interpret them as I did. And I'm like, you know what? I can actually cut this down. He had the intro, <clears throat> excuse me, the intro scene was about four pages long. I cut it down to three. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, okay. Um, the document was already 19 pages now it's 18 pages and i was like i have a feeling i just had a feeling the way i'm laying pages out now i was going to burn that back i was going to get that right back to 19 possibly 20 right away and which i did um so i got up to page seven and i hit ed back up and i was like hey man uh pop into the script i've adjusted the script so what i had done because the page page count was all screwed up. Like, since I had changed the numbering and everything. And Ed has this bizarre thing. He is a teacher by trade, but man, he has some issues with numbering. Like, okay. he he always... Like fucking Monty
0: Python and the Holy Grail. One, two five <laughs> three 100
1: that yeah. is exactly what was going on with this issue it was like one two five like it literally <laughs> went the first two pages and then the page count went to five and i'm like scrolling back up i'm like wait what the fuck did i miss three sir. and then yeah, exactly it'll be like you know uh here's page five panel three and here's panel seven and i'm like wait what what's going wait, on what the fuck so, is going on yeah are, yeah, are you know, only yeah, using but...
0: prime numbers for this
1: that's a math joke, by the way. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, exactly. I got on him. He fixed it. But um, I I renumbered everything, I uh, page and panel count alike, because I had changed so many things in the first seven pages. Like, like again, the opening scene was four pages, and then the um, following scene was, like, one, and I turned it to two. And then yeah. the next scene was two pages. I turned it into three. So it just completely changed what we had going on, and I was like, okay, let me fix this for him, and then that way he's number one he's not numbering and two um he can it's easy for him to plug in place. so i just gave yeah. quick notes essentially what's happening in the panel now it's just like okay he had this you know he had eddie walking down the street and it's just like okay now i had eddie running down the street or, or you know what i mean like there's just mm-hmm. like these small changes that i did yes um or shorten the page count or or you know uh, panel count and you know, or increase the panel count on that page. So I did all that for him, and then he went through and and uh, he was working that way. But we're using that Google Doc um, application is fantastic. You just get that instant change, and you don't have to do like a save or anything. It instantly saves for you and updates whatever the you know it, the link. So if me and him have the same link, he's seeing the changes as I'm making them.
0: Yeah, I mean I empathize with that because I think that that is one of the harder things to do when you are scripting out a comic is to really get a, a dial in effect on how many pages how many panels what the panel should do etc etc so obviously you guys have a great working relationship and this is the kind of thing that Rory Smith and I had too where you know you, he can call me on the whole like well that's three panels of a dude walking down the street and getting closer with each panel <laughs> you can just make that one I'm, I'm being theoretical here but you guys get right. the point. so yes and 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 I think yeah,
1: Ed knows I'm. Ed knows I love him. He knows I'm fucking with him. Totally, um, but he totally has an issue with numbers.
0: <laughs> totally, totally. And and I am, my memory is drawing a blank on who this is, but I'm pretty sure that we had a guest on. Or I was listening to another podcast where they talked about how some writers really overdo it, and they go panel by panel, and it's like fist about to hit the face, fist making contact with face, fist. Like, kind of indenting the cheek and twisting the face a little bit. By the way, Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power would be like that third panel. And then fourth, kind of like the follow-through, right? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, You're prescribing way too much of the action here as a writer from the artist's perspective, right? This was the artist saying that. And you need to dial it back a little bit and just let the artist breathe
1: there are instances where that is okay but like overall you're correct it's just like the writer doesn't necessarily need to do that unless there's a particular vision for that page so what you're describing is something i've seen i believe it's in like fist of the north star or like berserker or something like that and it it is essentially that the face getting closer hitting the guy's face the face getting indented the eyes popping out of the guy's head the head exploding yeah so like that's a pretty clear visual as to what the writer wants mm-hmm. and honestly as an artist like fuck yeah I'll fucking draw that totally so there there's certain instances and in like 13 to go back to second shift 13 Ed had a particular page right in the script. It's highlighted. It says, Is there any chance that you can use a circular motif for this page? Mm-hmm. And I hit him up. I said, Do you have examples? And he goes, I sure do. And he sent me different examples of certain actions that he was looking for. Mm-hmm. There were other pages, other comics where they used a circle motif. And I saw what he was going for. And I'm like, That's perfect. I know what you're thinking in your head. But now I'm twisting this on its own head. It's yep. it's like I've seen what other artists do. Now I'm going to do my take on it and it's going to be completely different from what they do. But it's also going to be in the vein of what you're looking for. And um, so I sent him the thumbnail on that two page splash and he was ecstatic. He goes, dude, this is one of those instances where when we work together, it's magic. And I was like, hey, hey, hey. That happens at least once an issue, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, he goes, you're not wrong, you know? So, um, it's great sometimes to get those cues from your writers to, if they are looking for a specific type of uh, panel layout or instance, it's, it's okay. But like you said, it's, you're doing too much as a writer. If you're doing it all the time, you know, yeah. like yep. Alan Moore gets away with it because he's fucking Alan Moore. You yeah. know what I mean? So it, it's not for everyone. However.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of um, explained a story that I have involving Mark Nosler and I working together on Three Protectors, which is going to end up being something that's in uh, volume two, actually, when we, when we work those Mark Nosler pages into the story. And um, same thing, man. You know, like, I think, I think as a writer, it's about picking your moments. Don't overdo it. And, and the great thing is if you don't overdo it, then when you do it, it has impact. Like anything, right? Like that's storytelling, too. If you don't overdo it, then you know what moments to really dial it up. And there is, there is a I think, a two-panel sequence in Three Protectors. I can even send it to you if you want, just to give you an idea. Like, uh, totally. as, as is, even though I'm probably going to tweak it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it's exactly that. Like, I knew exactly what I wanted. And then when I got it back from him, I was like, fuck, this looks, it somehow is exactly what I wanted, yet better than what I wanted. And to your point, like Ed said, like, that's the moment where, I mean, I would argue that that's kind of why we're doing this. That's, that's the feeling. You know, selling your books, making sales, talking to new fans at a show, talking to familiar fans, longtime fans at a show, that rules. But it's really that creative high. You know, like, like that rules, but I think in the hierarchy of like awesomeness, the creative high you get when you just see the visuals and the words coming together in one place, that's, that's the thing that keeps you coming back. That's the, that's the sweet drive you hit down the middle, you know?
1: Yeah. That's something Ed used to talk to me about when we first started this. It's like, man, it's so crazy. These were just some words on a page I put down and now you drew them and they're alive. Yeah. And. And I understood what he meant. And it's the same thing for me when I do, like when we first started walking together, honestly, whenever I get a new script in from him, it's just like, here goes another story about these characters that I created that I have no clue what they're saying until he's written it down. It's just like, yeah, that's what they would say. It's very interesting, you know? And and uh, moreover, like when I get a new colored page in from Joaquin, it's just like, fucking A, man. Like this thing's like alive now. You know, it was it was line art, it was some words, then it was some line art, and now it's fully colored, and it's ready to be lettered, and it's ready to become a real comic book.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 awesome. Um, so let's get into my third thing, which is probably the thing that took up the most time out of these three things. It is that I spent a good chunk of time working on what I like to think is it's a bit of a grind, but it's also the fun stuff. And what I am talking about is... For Kadoja Symphony of Madness number one, I am working on assembling the PDF right now. My goal is to have the PDF off to the printer within a few days, basically before we are recording this before we go to Emerald City. And the next time we do a podcast, we will probably be at Emerald City on one of the evenings there just kicking it. Um, So my goal is to get this thing sent off to the printer before um, I leave for Emerald City. The interiors are all done. The lettering is all done. I talked about that last week. But because everything adds up to 30 pages, speaking of the Indie Comic Life hashtag, right, hashtag Indie Comic Life, 30 content pages here. So I need to have two more. And so what I was working on was the separator pages. And I have a very standard separator page I do for Katoja. It's basically black with kind of like a, a cracked earth texture that's dropped in on the top of it. If you look at if you have a copy of Kadoji and you look at like a title page, you're going to see that exact thing that I use for a lot of our title pages. But I wanted to switch it up a little bit here, and so I did. And I'm very pleased with the results. People that get the book will see, and we'll it's just a penis. It is. It is. It's actually forty of them. That's that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I wanted to switch it up, and the only way to switch it up was with forty penises. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so no, I mean, I think. And then there was some other stuff too, like, you know, Kadoja Symphony of Madness number one has three covers. So I went with the standard cover which is obviously four pages, right? It's interior, uh, inside, outside cover, and then the two interior covers. And then like I texted you the other night, which we'll just save for when people get their Making Comics copy, I assembled those interiors and that's the part that makes the Making Comics edition, the Making Comics edition. So I had some fun with a couple things there and I hope people that get it have fun too. But basically the main version and the variant version are gonna be the same except for the front and back covers. But yeah, it was great to just assemble all that, and I still have an outstanding question on what to do for the um, inside covers for the non-making comics versions. Because here's the thing: this is the quote-unquote last Kadoja arc. Okay, it is not going to be the final Kadoja story I tell. Because, and and if you, I imagine if you go back to the first ten episodes of this podcast, you will hear me singing a different tune. I've been convinced for the last four years that Kadoja Volume 4 was going to be the last volume of Kadoja I ever did. But I had this realization a month or two ago, and I was just like, wait, I like writing Kadoja. I like doing Kadoja. People like Kadoja. Why would I stop doing it for an arbitrary reason? But that said, this four-part mega arc is the culmination of the first big story. So something I want to do is... Really set that up a little bit, and really lean into the fact that this is the culmination of a mega arc. There will be arcs in the future, or there maybe there won't be arcs. Maybe there'll be only like five issue arcs. I have an idea of the stories I might want to tell in the future, but this is going to be the end of this part of Kadoja in this particular time, and it's fun to actually spice up the ending and uh, and really drive that home. So I'm excited about that, and I think I have some cool ideas just using a couple words and using some visuals that really make this final arc a little bit more special. And so I'm, I'm really pleased with that. And that's what I worked on a lot.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm with second shift. It's always been a thought and, and it still is that it's just going to be, if I ever stopped drawing this series, they would go on and still be heroes. Like for exactly. me, it's like, I want them to always be heroes. I always mm-hmm. want them to be doing their thing where I leave off their lives. At uh, the moment I stop drawing this, that's a whole other thing. Totally. You know, it's just like, where are they in their personal lives? Where are they in their superhero-ness um, when the story stop. But for me, I don't know when that's going to be. Wanderers is something completely different. Wanderers is supposed to be a maxi series. Yeah. Uh, I want to go 12 issues and then this the story at that time will be done. Um, uh, maybe in the same vein of you and Kadoja, where, like, okay, after the story arc, you're probably going to take a break, and you don't know when you might get back to it, but you want to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wanderers might be the same thing. Who knows? By issue 12, I'm, I might go, that's the story I wanted to tell, and it's done. Totally. Or, in the future, if if I have the opportunity, or the want, I can do more issues of it. You know, Absolutely. Or, or if it's, like, successful to the point where I don't necessarily need to draw both of my books and I have the funding to hire an artist to draw one of the two books, Yeah. then that's, that's uh, something I'm willing to do. Honestly, I think it would more than likely be a scenario where I would have someone take over Wanderers completely. And I, myself and Ed would just handle the writing chores. Yeah. And then um, maybe I would still do the, still do the zip tones. Maybe I can train someone to learn how to do it the way I do it. Um, but, I think Second Shift would be one of those things where I would be down uh, with enough success with the title to hire an artist to do alternating storylines. That's something Marvel did, I think, in the early 2000s. I think Marvel Now, um, the system that they were using, I don't know if it's still into place, was having two teams um uh the writer would stay the same i believe but the creative teams as far as uh the art goes that would remain the same and it would just be rotating artists like humberto ramos would draw four issues of spider-man or something and then they would have ryan stegman do the next four something like that so Mm -hmm. it was a constant constant flow of issues coming out with no issue uh, no no problems uh with a slowdown or anything like that needing fill-in artists because essentially you have four months to draw your four issues mm-hmm. uh or no excuse me um i guess i guess eight months um because you would do your four do that and then math. That's, would... that's
0: five beer math bitch keep going that's
1: five beer math so five beer if math. you have four four extra months so maybe five months if you have four
0: extra months then that actually makes the year 16 months long that's how. It That's works. right. Everyone yeah. knows that. Yeah. No, but see, we'd get you those. Yeah. Thirteen, four extra thirteen, months. timber, fourteen, tober.
1: <laughs> well, it's also <laughs> dependent on how much lead time you got before. I mean, like the Marvel machine is yeah. different than what we know on the indie scene. So it's just like, okay, how many months did that artist get before? that issue was released Do you know what I mean so they can go hey next year we want to do the story arc so go ahead and start now and then so you have some time to pump out as many issues as possible so I don't know when Marvel decided hey we're going to start this process so you know seven months from now your issue is going to come out so that gives you seven months to do as many issues as possible these are the story arcs that you're doing yeah. so if I could get in on something like that if if you know Second Shift and Wanderers took off to the point where I had like Kirkman money or something and just fund people to draw the issues Yeah, I would love to do that with an artist that is somewhere around my style but a little bit like I, I don't want it to be too jarring but I also want people to be able to tell hey, oh this is a different artist mm-hmm. you know and uh, so it'd be cool to rotate with another artist in that sense.
0: I like it. I like, I like that you've thought out a future vision to the point where you're basically like, you know what, man, I'm going to be Tommy Hilfiger. I'm not going to do yeah, shit. I'm, I'm I'm basically sewing these clothes. I'm I'm not dude. I'm not, I'm <laughs> not sewing them. That, the I'm not even designing them. I'm not doing a fucking thing. I'm hiring everybody else to do it. <laughs> Throw my name <laughs> so- on it. Yeah, exactly. Just put my Throw name, my on, name it. on it, bitch. Uh, fucking Scott Loss <laughs> Production, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you All go. right, so you got one more thing, <clears throat> and then we're gonna kind of turn uh, what's what's a thing of mine into this week's uh, you know kind of key subject, I guess. Okay. Um, So the last thing,
1: it's all in line. So as of right now, where the last few months it has been wanders, 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 um, it's now second shift, second shift, second shift. And uh, so another thing for second shift 13, this is something important. If you guys are collaborating with someone out there and you guys are communicating via text, so you guys are close enough to where you're like, screw email, let's just talk via text because (laughs) screw email. (laughs) That's right. I mean you can do both. You can hard email those to someone and then send them a text just <laughs> say, "Hey, did you get this? If not, here's a backup."
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So, if you're if you're close enough with someone and you just find that texting is a lot easier because you want that instant re- response, You know that's something you do make sure you're taking that down um this is something that ed and i had to have learned from before because we are we were friends before we were partners in in this comic book world and so we text a lot and we're like well what about this future storyline what do you want to do with it and we were going back and forth for like over an hour we had all these great you know twists and turns he would bring something off uh bring something up i would riff off of it and um we had a great chat for a couple of hours and then it was lost to time because mm-hmm. neither one of us bothered to copy and paste those into an email. This was not the case with issue 13. Ed sent me an email where it was a very long conversation with where we were talking about the story arc. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of great things in there that I had completely forgotten about. So if you guys are communicating via text, make sure you're cop- one of one of the two of you, Make sure you're copying and pasting those conversations. Screen grab them if you want, but paste them into an email, and you and you can see this conversation, and it will be saved for prosperity per, per, for prosperity. Pos, posterity. Posterity? <laughs> there we preposterousness.
0: go. preposterousness.
1: This is Papa Sucker and suckatash Five <laughs> beers. So for posterity, you know, make sure you're emailing them to each other yeah. after the fact because you you want to have those for the future just moving forward there's a lot of information that you might think you'll remember everything but then there's going to be those little nuances in the story it was just like by ed saying one thing it made me go oh wait that connects with this other thing that i was Mm -hmm. thinking about and you just get this great flow and dialogue so it was really cool reading those texts and seeing all of the different things that we wanted to come up with
0: this character for this character that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, document, document, document. Right? Like you got to get that stuff down. So that's good to hear. I mean, the you know, again, to quote Biohazard, the only lessons you learn are the things that you regret. So you regretted losing that to time before, and uh, you didn't lose it to time this time because you know, whenever you learn a hard lesson like that, you never make that goddamn mistake again. So uh, so yeah, yeah, good. I mean, again, and now it's going to make a good comic in the future. So that's awesome. Um, all right, so let's get into. What sort of serves as our main thing, but really is a meandering conversation in terms of where my novel is. And there's there's going to be some things that I think apply to all writers for sure, and maybe even all creators when we get to it. So right around the time we recorded our episode last week, <clears throat> I got my notes back from Mike, who had done the full read of my novel. And we are, we are six drafts in. I am now, I am now working on the seventh draft. So Mike in general, and something I I like about Mike's notes is, I believe I mentioned this before that my mentor has always said, great writing. Here's what you need to work on. Great writing. Here's what you need to work on. Great writing. Here's what you need to work on. It's kind of like, but how close am I? Like, what's the absolute here? And something I like about Mike is that at the end of, of his notes, he basically put, if, if if we work on all these notes, then I'm confident we can take this novel from a, a solid B to a solid A. And that's always good to hear. It's like, yes, please, let me let me benchmark somehow, you know, like, it's, it's good to hear that, okay, you, you think it's a B, <laughs> you know, like, as opposed to great writing, keep doing it. And again, I, I love my mentor for that. Because early on, that's what you need out of a mentor. You need someone that's going to keep you writing and make you just be like anything other than fuck this, I'm stopping, you know. So it was nice to have that absolute thing. So Mike gave me a couple notes. And what was fascinating is without getting into any specifics, two of the notes that he gave me were based on experience because I had basically – modeled some character traits on things that mike had real experience in and mike called it out he's like that's not how this works here's how it works this other thing that's not how this works here's how it works and it was like okay this is very helpful but those are like medium notes and and the biggest note which is probably like you know bigger than medium but not quite a huge note is he basically suggested that a, a key element of the book that swings the reason that the narrator is doing what he's doing get cut and what he basically said was that it was it's flimsy and and it's always been a little bit of a deep-seated concern of mine right because this is a horror book and the people that are reading this are not horror fans and so that's great for some aspects but for others it may end up being a detriment right and and mike is well versed in many genres including horror and so it was nice to get, like, more of a higher level horror read on it because he called out some of my things as being, like, they're a little too genre-y, a.k.a. a little too, like, hokey, right? Mm. And that, and that okay. if, if you're basing your premise on this, and he, he called it out. He basically said, what you are counting on is for readers to believe that this character is here because X, Y, and Z. And if they don't believe that, they are out of the novel right then and there. And that is not a strong enough premise. So he basically said, you know, I think you should get rid of that. And the best part about it is you have the better reason already in your text. It's right there. You just need to dial that up and get rid of the other thing. So the thing about Mike's biggest let's go with four notes, you know, the the large slash medium notes is every single one of them resonated with me because that's what matters. It doesn't matter what the note is. It matters whether it matters to you. And so every single one of the four was like, yeah, Mike's right. And, and this is not new. Mike did this with three protectors. Mike called out the flaws in volume one of three protectors. And I was like, I, I've recounted this conversation with Lance where I was like, Mike said this, this and this. And Lance was like, oh, shit, immediately. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's fucking right, isn't he? You know, and it's like that is that is always a stomach sinking moment. Where you realize that the common is right and that you have work to do, but I tackled it willingly, and so it took me it took me a day or two to digest it. I ran it by my wife. I ran it by Eden because writing experience. I ran it by the two people in my writing workshop, and every one of them was like, hmm, I like the scene as is. I like the way you had it, but i i it does sound right. In fact, Rachel was a really quick adopter where she was like, "Yeah, he's right." And uh but the novel people were a little less, a little later to it. But I think that's also because they've helped workshop this, you know. So again, mm. there's this. But adage. did they
1: arrive there as well? Eventually, they did.
0: They did. By the okay. end of the conversation, they arrived there as well. Like, no, it makes sense. I mean, and that's the thing too. We are we are deep in the novel. We are years in the novel. And at some point, it just becomes you know the only changes that are happening right now are the ones that make things marginally better. And that's a very hard change to do late in any creative project, right? A comic book, a novel, anything where you realize that what you need to do is take, you know, hey, let's quote Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat. You know, what is it? Um, You know, two steps forward and one step back, Mm. because that's the thing, right? You are you are taking this and you're taking stuff away. But then you're adding stuff and what you're hoping is that the ads are going to outweigh what you took away. And I think that's the case here, you know? So that's what I've been working with for the last five or six days. But then, Scott, then I got the notes from my mentor about three hours ago. Uh Uh-oh. And what he said after, so we are 100 pages in. And to paraphrase what he said, he basically said, these first 100 pages are good, man. I think I think what you have is presentable to an agent with the exception of one thing. And I don't have to give anything away to say that it is his career. And Mike had already given me the note a week ago about his career and given me a, a proposed solution that is brilliant and, and about as elegant as you can get and it fixes everything. So that's not the big note he gave me about this horror thing that kind of the novel somewhat hinges on. But... So now you can see my thing, right? You can see what what might be a bit of my dilemma.
1: Now, did you present Mike's changes to your professor as well? Not yet.
0: We haven't talked. Okay. We haven't talked, but we will.
1: Okay. Yeah. So what it sounds like to me, just just going based off of the reactions of people you ran it by, it sounds like Mike's trimming the fat. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the story's good. Like every, The way it is, it's good. It's presentable. You can bring this to an editor. But if you trim this fat, it'll make it great. Exactly. And, and I think that's what you want. And I'm curious as to what your mentor is going to say after you tell him these notes. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to come back to this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, sounds definitely interesting. Uh, this reminds me of um, going back to issue 13. So when Ed and I were going back and forth on the script, there was an issue with what happens in the opening scene and how it's handled. And the rest of the issue moving forward. And I was like, hey, man, this kind of presents this problem. And he offered a solution. And then I offered another solution, which fixes the problem without having to change very much at all. And so we both, you know, he was just like, oh, look at you, uh, smarty pants. You figured it out. So it's nice to just kind of go back and forth. And I think Mike is also working with Comic Brain, Mm -hmm. um, where he's just like, Comics have to come out on time and they have to be clean, precise, and you have to get to the point and you have to wrap everything up in this amount of page count. Mm-hmm. So I think he's thinking more of that brain where maybe your professor, your your mentor will be, uh, you know, like, no, it's good to have a little fat on the bone. So mm-hmm. I'm curious where all this is going to fall.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, again, I, I'm excited, too. I mean, I'm sure I'll set up my call with my mentor and go from there. I, I, I will be interested to see what he says, but when I when I preface it, maybe not using names, but maybe when I preface it with the fact that I've had a horror reader take a look at this, and he called into question this thing, and like, honestly, I think I can, in fact, rework it, make it cleaner, and, and this is stupid, but it's not stupid. The best part about this clean rework is it makes the novel's subgenre within horror incredibly clear, and more importantly... Very clean to present to agents, it presents a very clean thing uh, you know i I don't think you even
1: have to tweak with how you present who Mike is. I think saying uh, this is one of the guys I work with in comics. he is an editor by trade mm-hmm. and so he actually i think I think presenting it that way as opposed to some random guy that h- happens to read horror yeah so yeah. Um, no that, I mean I, yeah, you, I, you know I would you can point out that he is has also edited horror specifically so for sure um, you know I think that
0: would help for sure for sure but I think so in terms of that to, to wrap that little bit up I am eager to have that conversation but this is what it gets into with the main thing of this episode right when you so when you have conflicting opinions from people that you both trust guess who breaks the tie you do you it's your book. It's your comic. It's your vision, and so what you have to ask yourself is which thing is really resonating more strongly with me. And right. so what do you I want did to
1: was, do the extra work exactly. and trim the fat, or do you want to go with your mentor who you've been working with a long time and right. likes the fat?
0: Right, right. Or, or more importantly, it's kind of like you know it. This this kind of thing always tends to make me think of like, for lack of a better word, like the etymology, the origin of how I got to where I got to and i think back to the origin of this particular plot plot device and it feel like it basically stemmed from a suggestion i got in workshop early on and i was like i like that idea let me work with it and i worked with it but in a weird way it was a bit counter to the premise of the novel and and you could argue that i've had some degree of dissonance ever since trying to rectify these two things, trying to rectify this thing that I think is a cool plot thread versus the thing that I think is kind of like the core genre, subgenre of the novel, the core um, things of the novel and the core way I can sell this to agents because that matters, you know? Absolutely. And and the thing is that that with, with the way that it's been done, what I was basically doing was I was creating a novel that is another type of novel in disguise, for lack of a better way to put it. What this does is it takes the disguise away, and it makes it clear that the novel you're getting from the start is going to be a certain type of horror novel. And again, I'm not going to go into details because I don't want to, but you get the idea. Like, let's just, let's just use some horror tropes, right? If you had a zombie novel, but it was masquerading as another kind of novel, then you've put yourself in a little bit of a dilemma, right? Because there's a certain type of person who definitely wants to read a zombie novel. But if you can't, if, if it only turns into a zombie novel at page 220, then how the fuck do you sell that to agents? You know, you, what you really have to do is kind of present it as one type of thing, but you know damn well that it's a zombie novel. Well, by taking this away, what I have done is I have made it a zombie novel. And now I get to present it as a zombie novel. I get, when those zombie mini tropes come up, the reader who bought it because it's a fucking zombie novel is gonna go nuts right because that's how we do this kind of stuff you know like if you're watching a bruce lee film then you know that there's going to be in most cases some degree of like reluctant badassery to it you know the first 20 minutes are always going to be about you know or maybe not always but have sometimes been bruce lee like renouncing his fighting ways and you just know that 25 minutes in somebody's going to make that that motherfucker whoop some ass and, and and that's what you want, you know. So so because of that, in the first twenty five minutes, when Bruce Lee is being nice and like, no no, I'm peaceful. Everybody watching that film was like, oh, I'm a whoop some ass, son. You know, like you exactly build building, exactly exactly. Yeah. So so again, I think it makes it cleaner. But more importantly, this gets into again this main idea of this is your creative vision. This is your story. And even when you get two opinions from people, you both really value the opinion of it has to come down to how you feel it in the gut
1: it's funny when you had mentioned a zombie novel and then it not doing zombie things until x amount of time right that made me think of the walking dead where it's almost a bit of the opposite it is you hear oh it's a book about zombies no it's not a book about zombies there happens to be a lot of zombies in it but the the real story is Rick's relationship with his son and trying to keep his son alive and safe. Mm-hmm. And it's about the the survivors of the zombie apocalypse. It's not about the zombies. There, there just happens to be them there, and they're the thing that people have to get around and survive against. But this true story of The Walking Dead is actually the people. So, oh. uh, yeah, it's interesting that you could have something that isn't the norm um, people go there for the zombies, but they stay for the
0: characters. Totally. I so, was actually, I was going to just say that I was going to say, come for the zombie novel, stay for the relationships. Right. Right. But that's so definitely. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Not knowing your book.
1: Um, I don't know if it is. I mean, based off what you just said right now, it's it's not the same thing. So right. the fat that is going to be trimmed, it's not something that is necessarily needed for your particular book in order to like adds, add an element to it that, wouldn't be there in a horror novel
0: yeah i'm gonna give a specific example okay like number one i just said come for the zombie novel stay for the relationship like scott did but that's different than saying come for the love story stay for the zombie novel which in a weird way is kind of what it was right and i'm gonna give a specific movie example a little bit more obscure it is world's end um, it's by the dude, it's, by, it's like the third movie in the Shaun of the Dead trilogy, if you want to call it that, the very okay. loose mm-hmm. thing, um, by yeah. that guy who I can't remember his name, but he was check off on the new um, Star Trek series, right? So World's End is a great example of that because the first 35 or 40 minutes are essentially a story about a person who never really had glory and peaked in high school and is trying to reclaim that glory by inviting all his old friends from high school to have one last pub crawl. But about 30, 40 minutes in, 45 minutes in, it becomes an entirely different kind of uh, movie. And in doing that, dude, I saw it with Rachel and it threw her off entirely because she was just like, I would have liked an entire movie of that first thing instead of this bizarre turn that it takes about halfway through. And so that's the risk you run here when you do that, because, again, how do you think they sold it? How do you sell a movie like that when the first half it's one thing and the second half it's another? Um,
1: Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg is the guy. Simon Pegg. Yeah, there you go.
0: Um, and, And but I think this also even unfolds into a second thing, which I don't think I've mentioned on this podcast. And I think it's a nice extension of trusting your gut. Which is I arrived at something about two weeks ago. And the thing I arrived at, it was really the Scotland trip that did it. The Scotland trip cascaded in the fact that. By the Scotland trip happening. It made me want to write the second novel, which I mentioned. In wanting to write the second novel, it encouraged me to write the first novel, finish the first novel, because why write the second novel when you're not done with the first? But then that created a nice, uh, an interesting calm that came over me for the first novel, which is for the last four years, maybe a little bit less, but you know, as long as I've been serious about this novel, I've been hoping that this novel would be something different for me, right? Like, I I had some degree of success with Big Pimp Jones because we started with nothing, worked hard at the indie level, and hustled and got better at the indie level. Kadoja, Three Protectors, all my comic writing started at nothing, got to some level of indie hustle, and now continues to grow a little bit. Right, there's a perfect parallel there. What I was, what I'm hoping still with the novels is I can get to a gatekeeper of the industry and just jump the indie circuit. B- but we're four and a half years into writing this novel. And I think at some point, you just gotta not be afraid to fail. And that's that goes also into this trusting your inner compass, trusting your judgment, trusting yourself. You gotta be unafraid to fail. And, and I said that, I'm not kidding, I must have said that to somebody two days before I got Mike's note. I said, you know what? You know what I realized? I realized that I need to keep making stories and I need to keep putting stuff out there. And if that means that I have to wrap up this first novel within two and a half months and put it out there to agents and have every single agent say no, then I'm going to move on. I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm just not. I will, I will print it up. And I will sell it myself and I will start work on the second novel and I will continue to make comics. And I think it's one thing to say it, but it's another to feel it through to your core. And again, it's all about this internal compass and what you want to do and and where you want to go, you know, and and trusting that and trusting that at some point you just need to, you know, there's this line, stories are never finished, they're abandoned. It feels like it's time. It feels like Halloween-ish this year is the time that I'm going to finish this novel and it's just going to be the thing it is and I'm going to roll with it and the day after when I'm selecting agents I roll into the second novel and we just keep going you know so again the larger thing here is I think it's a really interesting example because we haven't talked a lot about when you get slightly conflicting or even conflicting feedback from two people you both like. You know, it's easy to have conflicting feedback where somebody says it sucks and somebody says it's great, and then you have to figure out the middle. But what happens when both people give a very similar large note in that it's close, but they give very different ways in going about it? And again, the tie goes to you. It becomes about where your compass is aligned and what your vision is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have nothing to add there. I think that's a, a great, place, great place to end this part of the conversation. Well, which, which leads us to that
0: bullshit. What kind of bullshit oh, you want to talk about?
1: Well, you hipped me to a particular comic, uh, Sandman 13, right? Oh, yeah. that was going to
0: be my number one thing on bullshit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you hit me to Sandman 13, which is the first appearance of Joanna Constantine. Yes. And you're yeah. like, it's going for... Anywhere from fifteen to thirty bucks, mm-hmm. and uh, what I did was I went on eBay right away. I saw that there were some auctions around the fifteen dollar mark. There was like a day or two left, mm-hmm. but then I saw one that was buy it now for twenty nine ninety nine with five dollars shipping. I said, "Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, I'm not fucking around. It's fine. I'm I'm not I'm in a place uh, in my life where I can afford to spend that extra ten dollars and yeah. not have to worry about it and try to hunt this thing." And uh, so I just did it. I just pulled the trigger, just bought it now, and uh, it arrived today. Really clean. Super clean copy. I'm very happy with the purchase. I feel like it was worth just pulling the trigger on. Um, If it showed up a little damaged, maybe I'd feel a little different. But no, man, super clean. It looks like it's in the nines, and uh, I'm cool with it. And um, something I wanted to follow up with, that, how you liken the Sandman, a non-spoiler. So people yeah. out there, this is a non-spoiler review of Sandman to this point. Yeah. Um, I have seen four episodes. I am in myself personally. I've never read Sandman. I am highly enjoying this thing. Um, I really like Joanna Constantine. I thought she was a super cool character. There's some other characters in there that are um, very fascinating. Honestly, not reading Sandman I didn't know what I was going to be getting into mm-hmm. uh, my friend who is also super into sandman he I sent you a picture of his uh, absolute editions mm-hmm. leather absolute editions and um, he his fear was it was going to be what's that other one with the gods?
0: Oh, American Gods!
1: American Gods. He said he did not like American Gods. It was too artsy fartsy. As 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 a
0: as a show, correct. I did not like the American Gods show, correct.
1: Yes. So he did not like the show either. He said it was too artsy fartsy, and his concern was that this was going to be just as artsy fartsy because between the two titles, uh, as comic books, this is the artsier fartsier one. Mm -hmm. And I followed up with him today, and he is very happy with the show. And so he's also in the same place, uh, four episodes in.
0: Yeah, so I am. I finished the whole thing on the opening weekend. I, oh, I that's just, nice. I loved it. I loved it, and. As I've posted a little bit about it on social media, some people I did not know were Sandman fans have let me know that they are Sandman fans. There's a couple people who were not Sandman fans and are becoming Sandman fans. And uh, I recommended it to my mother who loved it. So she finished it. Actually, we met for dinner um, a couple hours ago and she told me how much she loved it. So I think the very quick non-spoiler version is I love it. I have seen, it's interesting because reviews split and they don't agree, but on some level, this isn't about critics, you know. So I think I think the biggest fear of to, the biggest obstacle to Sandman's success is if those that first wave of diehard fans does not like it. And in in what it was interesting because in one of the reviews I read, it really bagged on Sandman, and it said it fails this way, this way, this way. And then the person made what I think is a mistake in judgment, and they said. I think it's not going. Not only does it not appeal to new people, but it do, it won't appeal to long time fans. Which that reviewer is one hundred percent wrong. Every long time yeah, fan I have talked to or I know thinks as highly of it as I do. I think it's I think it's wonderful. You know,
1: and my girlfriend does not watch a time. She doesn't read comics or anything like that. She has never heard of the Sandman. She loves the show. Yeah. We were watching it last night. We watched. So what we had been doing was one episode a night right before bed. And then um she's a big old frady cat. So it was, she was just like, I was like, so what'd you think? Every episode. So what'd you think? She goes, it was good. or yeah. like the first one, it was okay. And then, uh, which I agreed, like the, honestly, the first four episodes, I feel like the first one was the weakest of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't. I wasn't too jazzed with the CGI in the opening scene, mm-hmm. but as things have gone on, everything looks pretty solid to me. I have no issues uh, moving forward, yeah. and which is kind of strange though, because the budget uh, budgets usually go towards the first episode, mm-hmm. and then like usually the last episode, I believe, where the big fight scenes taking place or something like that. You know, depending yeah. on what kind of show it is, obviously. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting to see that the CG in the first episode wasn't as strong as the the following episodes. Yeah. Um but also as the episodes have gone on, our opinion of the the show has increased. Yes. It's just like the more episodes we've watched, the more we've liked it to the point where we did um two uh one the first night, one the second night, we did two the third night. Mm-hmm. And then so this is our fourth night and uh she's like, "Hey, when you get off the pod, are you do you have to work or you know, yeah. I was like, no, you know, like she, she had a girl's night or whatever. And I had a buddy over. So I was like, no, no, we can hang out and stuff. And then, so the plan is we're going to go to the back and watch Sandman.
0: Hell yes. And, uh, That's yeah. Man.
1: So, so that guy's completely wrong.
0: Yeah. I wish I hadn't watched it so that I could just watch it again. Fresh. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I'm a, I'm a pretty good Sandman fan as evidenced on the podcast. And uh, yeah, man, it was lovely. I mean, episode four, the, the hell episode. Ooh, yes. So good. You know, I, I consider myself a little bit of a hellologist. So I love, I love like the demonic shit, you know, obviously I love horror. So uh, I, and that was just a great representation. So, you know, Hey, it's all about, you know, like I encourage people to try it, but you're not going to force anybody. I mean, I recommended it to somebody else and they're like, it's not my jam. And I totally get it. That's fine. Yeah, Um, that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but to the Lady Constantine thing, you know, like I did, I did let you know that because I watched, I think the first episode she's in, I think she's in two. And after I watched the first one, I was sitting there going, okay, I know enough about Sandman to know that Sandman 13 does not have a particularly high value because of Lady Constantine. And to give people a little bit of comic nerdery here, John Constantine's first appearance is in Sandman number four. Uh, John John Constantine's first appearance in the Sandman is in Sandman four. John Constantine's first appearance, I think, is in Swamp Man 37, something like that. Swamp Thing. Yeah, sorry, Swamp Thing 37, um, beer. And um,
1: I'm going to do, I'm going to create a character called Swamp Man. Swamp Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's going to be uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, so, it sounds amazing. He's going to have like roots, but just around the crotch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, crotch but the root. thing is too, that there, look, there are plenty of first appearances in Sandman's first X issues. And the, since, since I have cleaned the run, this is the best way of putting it. The, the issue that has is taken off the most is Sandman number 10 because that is the first appearance of the corinthian who plays an integral role in sandman season one okay but when i saw lady constantine come on the screen i was like it it just it came i think i texted you this i said remember how on the podcast you were referring to fiddler's green and you said remember and you said like what if fiddler's green crushes it you don't know this is why you clean the run you clean the run Because you don't know what actor is going to crush it or what character is going to resonate, etc, etc. And when I saw the first episode with Lady Constantine, I'm like, I love looking at her on the screen. I think she's Mm -hmm. a great Lady Constantine. And even though there was a long running Hellblazer slash Constantine show and there's even been a movie, I think this Lady Constantine character has the most potential to have some kind of spinoff. You know what I mean? Like there are plenty of great Sandman characters, but their function is to be a character within the Sandman. So, I mean, would it be nice to have, you know, um, the Corinthians first appearance, of course, but the Corinthian is a Sandman character where Lady Constantine theoretically could be a future spinoff. And so I sent that note to you. And then I told you that if you have any auctions that you're thinking about to let me know. And then I ended up grabbing two copies and I got them relatively cheap. So I was happy. And even better, I'm still keeping my eye on Sandman thirteen, but wow, the prices have in fact gone up just a touch. Just a touch. Mm. Even since the one yeah. you bought.
1: The um the actress playing uh Joanna Constantine is Jenna Coleman, and she actually is in a few seasons of Doctor Who. Oh nice. So yeah, so when I saw her on the screen, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like yeah. I was super excited to see her because I was familiar with her. Nice, and um, nice. yeah, she was she was great in Doctor Who, and she crushed it in uh, the Sandman in the episodes that I've seen yeah, so man. far. So yeah, really excited about that, and I'm happy to have that episode or
0: that issue now. Yeah, and that's that's good, man. I'm glad I'm glad you acted on it. And again, look, this stuff is all gambling. It's all playing the stock market and buying crypto and whatever. But, you know, you take your shots where you're going to, where are going to buy them? You know, uh, you know, shots and, where and you're
1: just, I adore this, the show so much now, um, proving that guy wrong, that it's not going to generate new fans. And so yeah. like, man, I wish I was clearing the run while you were clearing the run, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but you know, hindsight and, uh, yeah, no. So I adore her, uh, and her character. So yeah. I, regardless of it, do, if it does anything, as long as i have it i'm totally fine with it i'm totally. glad i paid the 35 bucks after shipping no it's that's like, great i'm totally cool with that
0: that's great but yeah i mean the initial returns are basically that that longtime sandman fans are are uniformly delighted with it including me and it seems to be getting some new fans too so uh so yeah man excited excited uh what other what yeah. other
1: bullshit you got um, why don't you go? Those were pretty much mine, off the top of it. So I'm curious what you got.
0: That's my bullshit too. You know, like I don't really have a lot much other than that. I mean, I'm trying to like search the the depths of of bullshit to bring, but I think that's about it, dude.
1: No, I'm I'm clearing a run, um, and I so I won't. It's not cleared yet. It's almost done. And I talked to you about this. I talked to you about it off the air. Um, since I talked to you, I have picked up two more copies of issue one of it. And it's just one of those things. I think if I find issue one at a reasonable rate, I'm just going to pick it up. And it's it's one of my favorite series. So like at the end of the day, I have no complaints. If nothing ever comes of it, it's not a big deal to me because I love the comic book itself so much. And, um, yeah, so stay tuned. I think in the next couple of weeks I'll have that run cleared. There's a couple of semi reasonable ones online right now, but there is an auction that has four issues and two of the four issues are the two issues that I need to clear the run. Nice. So I think I'm going to try my darndest to get that auction. And, uh, once I do, then I'll talk about the run and, uh, this book that you guys need to read.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rock and roll, rock and roll. And uh, we are recording this before we go to Emerald City. So we will have the opportunity to opportunity, I think, to do a little bit more bin hunting at Emerald City that we may we may have wanted to do at Phoenix Fan Fusion because, um, yeah, we're just probably a little bit more interested in hunting for some comics. So.
1: Oh, yeah, man. It's a oh, yeah, that's another uh, piece of bullshit that I got was so I randomly I don't know if I had said this on the air, but I was randomly at a mall for a lunch and they had a comic store there. And I was like, I got some time. So I popped in and they had a bunch of back issue bins. And I was like, oh, right on. I, I don't go to this comic store. Let's see what they what they got. There were a few back issues that I was able to check off the list. Like so, as you guys know, I collect the Savage Dragon and there was a, a four issue miniseries series that I didn't even realize. I have two out of the four issues, and it's written by Robert Kirkman. And it's called Savage Dragon, uh, I believe it's God War. Mm-hmm. And the two issues that I needed of this four-issue miniseries, they had there for a quarter over cover price. Oh, that's so hilarious. I was pretty psyched. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I was just like, hell yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was cool to pop into a new comic store, see see back-issue bins that I d- I've never looked through, and they also had a section with bundle packs of comics. Unfortunately, I didn't find anything in there. Like a few weeks back, I had mentioned that So or SoCal Comics had this new section where they have those bundle packs. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't find anything I like there. But it was cool to just kind of peruse through and see what they had.
0: I think bundle packs are kind of that, though. They're every time you see the bundle pack bin, which seems to be a constant in more and more comic shops now, you're like... Ooh, this is promising. And then you get through it and you're like, nah, nothing really. But it's boy yeah. is it boy is it fun to flip through.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of it was like bullshit stories that no one cared about. Yeah, it exactly. was like kind of like some kind of mid two thousands, um early two thousands Marvel run of yeah. like Avengers, like some story arc that didn't pay off. It's just totally. like why you even? Why is
0: this here? Yeah, yeah. But that's why they're trying to give you a complete story, and it's it's a non-moving issue. So you know that's always going to be the conundrum with uh, with bundle packs. So yeah. yeah well, that's cool. That's cool. So you can find me on Instagram at keith underscore invader. That is me posting stuff about me, about my comics, about books I like, and some quotes when I can find ones that I really dig. And of course, then there is at Kadoja Kaiju, which is all things giant monsters.
1: And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost.
0: In terms of websites, KeithRFoster.com is my one-stop shop. I have some basic pages up, or actually a little more than basic pages up for Kadoja, which is HP Lovecraft meets Giant Monsters, and Three Protectors, which is Interplanetary Kung Fu. Of course, I have blog posts, and I have some other goodies there, including a web store that's up to date with the stuff I have in stock. So hey, if you like what you're hearing and you want to check out my books, they are right there waiting for you right now on KeithRFoster.com
1: and if you want to get my books uh, second shift the tale of minimum wage workers during the day and superheroes at night and wanders of melisanda anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans you can go to accidentalaliens.com we also have uh, a limited amount of accidental alien anthologies 2018 and 2019 left those are our our sci-fi offering as well as our creature feature and we also have tales from the mothership which is also selling out we were you know we did san diego comic-con and uh man travis was really pushing those anthologies and the tales from the mothership and all of those and uh they're selling they're selling really well we're down to i think about 40 copies um roughly of all of those like somewhere, give or take about you know 10 5 10 issues so it's nice to see those finally moving um we've had quite a bit of them and so we're on the tail end of it so get those copies while you can we will not be reprinting those
0: rock on hey I'm actually out of clever ways to say give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for the week. I will be back next week with more stuff. But you know what? If you need if you need an inspiring message on how to give us five stars on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, by all means, listen to the previous couple episodes because I was I was really on a tear. <laughs> but yeah, do it. You were. Yeah, you had some good ones for sure.
1: Um, And then if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk to us about or you want us to talk to you about on the air... Uh, shoot us an email at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com uh, or any of the social medias that we provided for you. If you want to hit me up or Keith up on those, feel free to do so. I've had some nice interactions with some people that listen to the pod and uh, just asking me different cr- questions as far as the process of making comics, uh, doing Kickstarters and such. Um, uh, most recently I had a guy hit me up wanting if to for me to share my blue line artwork so he can practice his inking. Nice. So that was nice and Uh, yeah I passed something along to him and so yeah if you have anything that you want to talk to us about do it on the social medias Uh, better yet the making comic podcast at gmail.com
0: hell yeah alright well hey we made it we made it to the end of another episode and I think the next time we do this we're going to be doing it in, in person in the Emerald City baby so next week it is see you next week yay yay say record two three four yeah i think dude we're almost synced up like perfectly um we're like the fucking wonder twins or something like that (laughs)
1: let's turn
0: into wet things yeah i'm turning into animals (laughs) um (laughs) i'm turning into moist (laughs) yeah exactly shape of moist (laughs) Mm. Uh, (laughs) and you're a beaver Yeah. (laughs) all right we haven't we haven't drank shit either oh no you're wrong
1: (laughs) you're wrong that's another thing yeah uh ramel um he wanted to meet up for lunch and um so we had two beers at lunch and then we came back to my place He, he always drives up to my place and uh he had a couple of beers we had a couple of beers at lunch and then it was hot as fuck and i was like hey man you want to hang out in the pool and drink these beers? And he goes, nice. "Yeah, that sounds cool." <laughs> so nice. threw him some shorts. We grabbed our beers and hung out in the pool for like an hour, just drinking beers and uh, bullshit. And so I, I am
0: four beers in already. You kept it rolling. That's what I'm talking. Yeah, about. man. I yeah, might, yeah, I man. might drop this in at the end of the episode, just as a nice little teaser, <laughs> like we used to. You know what I mean? Just yeah, I'm cool thing. with it. Just, just a little something, something. All right, let's uh, let's get it.